Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. That theme song means it's time for Let's Talk About Jesus, a Bible study right here on our website. And everybody's talking about so many different people and things today because of all the global unrest and crisis around the world. We're here today to talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you're a Christian, you know who he is is, and you know how much it means to have Christ as your Savior, to have God as your Father, and to have the Holy Spirit as your Comforter. Hallelujah. Well, because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are with us and for us today, we're going to go to the Word of God. And I've asked the Lord to help me speak as an oracle of God today, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've asked Jesus to help me to magnify him and glorify him and lift him even as the Father has lifted him. And I've asked the Holy Spirit, amen, to come and as the Spirit of truth, help me to rightfully divide the Word of God as he guides us into all truth today. Hallelujah. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a spiritual encounter today with the Word of God by the help of the Father, the Son, and the mighty and wonderful Holy Ghost. Amen. I pray he's right where you are today and know that he will touch your life as we go to the Word of God. We're talking about the four taproot sins that brought Sodom to destruction. As I said last week, they're not always as evident. Uh, the taproot sins are not as evident as the sins that they produce. We're going to find that these sins are sins that we all have to grapple with to some degree or another. Amazingly, these taproot sins is what brought all the myriad of sins that reached heaven and caused God to be obligated to execute justice as fire fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to look at Sodom today out of Ezekiel 16 and 49. Listen to it. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, count them, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her. And in her daughters neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. So, friend, today, if you want to catch up and start this from the beginning, this study, you can go back to last week. And we dealt with one supreme issue, a fundamental issue is pride. Amen. And uh, having dealt with pride, we go to the second. If you could see a taproot of pride, you would see other roots coming out from it, becoming part of the taproot. And number two is fullness of bread. This is the danger of forgetting God in our prosperity. It has happened in every nation that, that God has blessed or has prospered greatly. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7 through 14 and look for the danger of forgetting God in our prosperity. It says, for the Lord Thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valley and hills. 
a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey. Hallelujah. A land which thou did eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he's given thee. Beware. Now here's the danger of prosperity of forgetting God. Listen. Beware. Verse 11. That thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments, his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou art eaten and art full, fullness of bread, you see, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and gold is multiplied. And all that thou hast is increased, multiplied. Then thine heart, here's pride, playing the role in this. Then thine heart be lifted up or proud. And thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Actually, in one place it says that they would, they would come to the place of self-sufficiency and independence from God and disobedience to God, they would say, My hand hath gotten me these things. They would take credit for the blessing that God has given. You know, we here in America have forgotten God's blessing upon this nation. There are so many people in this nation right now that would like to get in God we trust taken off of the coins. Get anything that relates to God and to the Christian faith that points to God and glorifies God. Amen. We know that there's an attack on the Christian faith and Christmas is going to come around and once again the debate is going going to start. Last year at Christmas, they, they didn't even want to allow a child to wear red and green in combination. In any combination, not that it has a Christmas sweater or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Santa or, or, or some, some other thing. They wanted every, even the two colors that is, is primary colors of Christmas. They didn't even want that kind of an illusion on a school ground and ban them from wearing red and green in combination. This, this absolute forgetting the goodness of God and the blessing of God because of our prosperity. There is a movement today to emphasize the material and, and the temporal over the spiritual and eternal. There is a prosperity gospel. And don't get me wrong today. God, the Bible said God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And he giveth us all things to enjoy. Amen. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul's greedy, and I wish above all things that you be in good health and prosper even, listen, even, even as your soul 
prospers. If you don't grow spiritually, I'm going to tell you what great riches and great wealth will do and, and great blessings will do. They will cause us to be less dependent on God and more independent from Him. And friend of mine, there's a danger in that, and that's why there is a beware here. Amen. And that's why the fullness of bread is an issue that we all have to deal with today. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. But He wants us to grow spiritually to where we bless the blesser for blessing us. Amen. And we never let the blessing uh, uh, outshine the one who is granting the blessing today. I like what Leonard Ravenhill said who wrote the book, Why Revival Tarries. He said, America has been cursed with blessings, and unless she repents, she will be blessed with cursings. I believe that today. Blessings become a curse when we forget God. Amen. Listen, the get-rich false gospel that is known as the prosperity gospel today puts the emphasis and focus on the temporal and the material at the expense of the spiritual and the eternal. First Timothy 6, 6-11, listen. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith content, be therewith content. But they that will be rich, that's the object of their, their, their faith. That's the object of any faithfulness they may display in their giving. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And this snare is represented by the fullness of bread and all of the blessings that God gave to Israel in the promised land in Deuteronomy 8. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition or ruin. For the love of money, not money in and of itself. That's an important distinction in verse 10. Money can be a tool for good. We can, we can help people. We can, we can help the gospel get to the nations. Uh, We can, we can pour our resources into the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, into mission work, into, into so many good things. But listen, it's for the love of money is the root. And here's that root sin again showing up. The root of all evil, which while some coveted after have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow, listen, after righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, patience, meekness. What is this? And fight the good fight of faith. Amen. What, what is this? This is the fruit of the Spirit developing and maturing in the fruit of the Spirit, which is the reproduction of the character of Christ in the life of His children and any child of God. Amen. 
And the next is abundance of idleness was in her. Abundance of idleness within her. This is not about being lazy and unproductive. This is about living for the pleasures of abundance with no regard to the source of our blessing. Listen, an old adage says that idleness is the devil's workshop. I believe that. I believe that when we live for pleasure, it's called hedonism. And there's even a cruise ship that call it the hedonism, hedonistic cruise or hedonism cruise. <laughs> and it means it's, it's strictly about pleasure. And the uh, ideology of, of hedonism is that pleasure is the chief end of all life's goals. If you're making money, it is simply so you can party every weekend, that you can retire at 50, and you can drink and eat and be merry for the rest of your life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a blessing. God giveth us all things richly to enjoy. Amen. He takes pleasure in the prosperity. He blessed Israel here, but they forgot him and they begin to live for simply the pleasure of the blessing and didn't consider it all their need and God's need for them to please him and recognize him and show gratefulness to him through their obedience. Listen to this abundance of idleness in uh, Exodus 32. Let's read it together. Let's read several verses here. It said, when the people saw Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we, we want not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters. Bring them to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. And after he made it into a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You see the transition from from trusting a God-ordained leader and God through that leader to now saying, we'll make our own gods and we will give credit to them. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play and rose up to play. Amen. This is that loving of pleasure more than lovers of God. Amen. Friend of mine, that is a sign of the last days. And we're living in that. People are serving God in order to pleasure, get the pleasure of the riches when they say they're not really serving God. But this is their incentive to come to Christ and to serve Christ is that they're going to be exceptionally wealthy and, and be able to have what the world has already 
and now is so dissatisfied with, they can't find fulfillment and they can't find happiness. Some of the songs, remember, uh, if you remember the Rolling Stones in their early days of rock band, I can't get no satisfaction. Remember, more contemporary to our day, maybe just a few years back, uh, uh, you too wrote the song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Friend of mine, the world will never find in any material blessing, in any sinful pleasure, that that only God can give. They will never Ever they will keep seeking and they will never find. Ever having, but never having enough. And that's why the Bible said godliness with contentment is great gain. Or I would paraphrase that in saying godliness with contentment is the true riches. If God blesses you with a fine home, enjoy it, but not at the expense Amen. Of serving Him. Find your greater joy (laughs) in Him. Even Jesus, it said, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the shame. Amen. He endured the pain. He endured the punishment of the cross. Oh, for the joy that was set before Him. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not simply for our temporal body in this earthly sphere of life. Amen. But the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. You see, they rose up to play when they built their own gods and served them and really served self through them. This is self-indulgence stimulating the flesh to seek fulfillment in the sins of the flesh. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We're going to read that here in context in, 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 in the Scriptures. Uh, I believe that with all of my heart we're living in the last of the last days. And the scripture said that perilous times will come. Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self and all of the sins of self-love. And it said they would become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And it then it goes on to say, From such turn away. From such turn away. That's why there's a scripture That also says, come out from among them. It's talking about separating ourselves as God's people from the exact same value system of the world. It doesn't mean that you you go up into a mountain and you separate yourself from, from people. We're here to be salt. We're here to be light. We're here to be the gospel in shoe leather. (laughs) To be living epistles written and read of all men. We're here to be a witness to let our light so shine before men. We're here to give a hope 
when they see it so visible and viable in our life that they ask, be ready, instant in season, out of season, to give an answer to all men for the reason of the hope that is in you. Amen. We're living in a world that's becoming more and more helpless. All of the systems that we look to and lean on according to the flesh and the material are breaking down. Some are falling down completely. And all of the institutions we look to, to, to uh, safeguard us and to support us are shaking. Some of them are even fallen. And hopelessness is setting in. A sense of hopelessness because of a sense of helplessness. And what an opportunity to point people without God and therefore without hope in this present world, with no one and nothing else to lean on and look to, to give them hope through the God of hope and through the gospel that brings that hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, they had pride, fullness of bread. They had, they had, uh, they had an abundance of idleness and they had a disregard, therefore, for the less fortunate. They had a disregard for the less fortunate. When people start living for self, when self-love becomes the God that we now bow to, men shall be lovers of their own selves, proud boasters. It goes through a litany of sins, but the fundamental taproot sin of self-love is producing this wicked, evil tree. Every branch has terrible sins represented by this one root sin, self-love. Hedonism is the lover of pleasure, seeking pleasure above every other goal in life. Amen. The Bible speaks of it being the wisdom that comes from beneath is first and foremost sensual. And it ends up being devilish, sensual. According to the flesh, living for the satisfaction of the flesh will lead us into giving in to the sins that our flesh will desire and go after. You see, living for self, never thinking of others, never helping someone else is the result of self-indulgent attitude. To follow Christ begins with a prerequisite, with an imperative If anyone, Jesus said, would be my disciple, let him do what the culture will never help you do, will will actually condemn you for doing. Let him deny himself. What a contradiction to the seductive message of self-indulgence. Amen. One one better better not here's a here's a Greek god. Dionysus, better known as Bacchus, is the Olympian god of wine, party, and merriment. That same, now now we know this Greek mythological god is not a reality, but I'm going to tell you the devil that impersonates that God, the devil that is behind every man-made or mythical God, behind every idol is a demon impersonating that idol. And I'm going to tell you, the devil wants us to eat, drink, and be merry. 
to be filled with surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. That doesn't mean we don't enjoy the blessing, but we do not let that lead us to this place of being proud, self-sufficient, self-indulgent. A message today that says, Come to Christ and you will be wealthy as the Hollywood stars or the Wall Street moguls is not the message of the Bible. It is not the message of Jesus Christ. It is not the model of the apostles. It is not the model of Jesus Christ. Amen. Actually, Everything about Jesus is a contradiction to everything the world puts forth as paramount and most important. He wasn't born in a palace. Amen. He was, he was born in a manger. By the way, as we approach Christmas here, a little, little something I want to clarify. A manger was not this beautiful, with a nice, soft, looking hay in a blanket on the hay and Jesus laying in that little cozy looking little manger. No, a manger was more like a flat table where they would come and pour the the feed for the animals just on that flat table, low flat table. Sometimes it was stone, sometimes it was wood, and and the flies would gather and whatever food had been left and the animals, saliva, everything, this was a this was a stinky place. This was not a royal place. And yet the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lord of glory, was laid on one of those stinking, unsanitary tables called a manger. A friend of mine, I want you to know today that Jesus was Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You would have never heard of Bethlehem. No one hardly cared about it. It was a little city, and it was known for its baking of bread. They baked bread in Bethlehem and brought it to the, the larger cities to sell. Little city of bread, Bethlehem. He grew up in a place called Nazareth. Let me tell you what they said about Nazareth. <laughs> Amen. You know what they said about where Jesus grew up? They said, no good thing ever came out of Nazareth in the New Testament. No good thing. He couldn't be of, of any consequence because Nazareth is known for blue-collar poor folk, ill-educated and, 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 you know, just a friend of mine. This is where Jesus grew up. And already they said he can't be of any consequence because nothing good, nothing great ever came out of Nazareth. Who was the first people that God chose to reveal that the Messiah had come, the Savior of the world to come? Kings and princes? No. But poor shepherds keeping their flock. Listen, I'm not talking about everyone has to become poverty-stricken to be really, truly spiritual. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Jesus Christ lived a model a life that contradicted everything that the world system, the fallen, sin-darkened world system, says is most important, didn't he? God wants you to enjoy your blessing. Amen. He he wants me to enjoy my blessing. and, And I give him the glory. I give him the honor. I give him the praise. I want to be more obedient to him because of the blessing, not forget him because of the blessing. 
Amen. And not forget others. Proverbs 14.31 Whosoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whosoever is kind to the needy honors God. Amen. A disregard for everybody else. You know, we went through a generation. Uh, we're in a generation that a few uh, months or years ago, they called it the me generation. The me generation. Because it's all about me and mine at the expense of everybody else. And today we're called to be a diametrically different people than the people around us that don't know Jesus and don't don't regard the kingdom of God as opposed to this fallen world ruled by the God, little g, of this world, which is the prince of darkness. A friend of mine, we need to get back to the holy word of God. And we need to get back to a discipleship that says, take this whole world But give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. The scripture is very clear. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is destruction. And the devil wants us to choose that path. But God has called us to something so much greater. Hallelujah. Not only does it lead to eternal life with him instead of eternal banishment from him and punishment. It leads to contentment in this life. I'm going to be 75 in January. Amen. I know I don't look at you can't see me. You don't know what I look like. But I pray I don't sound like some tottering old guy. I am not tottering. My spirit is eternal. And I am ready to run for Jesus as I've ever been. Now my body's not the same. But my spirit has been un touched by time and I pray it hasn't been touched by the culture either I'm living for the glory of God I'm living to showcase the kingdom of God in me the righteousness what it means to be right with God when everyone else is running in fear and we're standing in faith Hallelujah. when everyone else is seeking that that will never satisfy and we're we're satisfied with what he has granted us <laughs> we're content with what we have and if he gives us more we'll just bless him more for it but it's not our joy our peace our happiness is not contingent upon things that we possess there's two misunderstood misunderstood scriptures as we close today one of them is when jesus said that that about the blessing he said that he that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. People that are not kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused, <laughs> they see abundance. All they see is Bentleys, Rolls Royces, Cadillacs. <laughs> Just name it. You know, there's cars now that way beyond anything that Cadillac puts out in price and in luxury. They see houses. They see mansions. They see gold faucets <laughs> where you wash your hands. They see uh, wealth amassed in banks. They see that materially. They look through that lens. And that's what they see. 
when they think of more abundance. But then Jesus counters that where he says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. So this is not about things. I saw a sign the other day in some uh, little store that we were visiting, a little country, you know, country store, and, and, and it said, the most important things in life are not things. Hallelujah. The most important things in life are not things. Friend of mine, the best way to, to have all the things that you need according to the Bible, is to put the kingdom of God first in your life. For the Bible said, if anyone seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, God knows what we have need of and all these things will be provided to us. Not to be like the Gentiles who are just seeking after the material, but seek the spiritual Seek the eternal, and God is going to take care of everything else. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to make you content. I'm going to just tell you something that God has blessed us recently with. We, Our car, you know, 2012 high mileage, starting to give problems. We're going to trade up, not to something new, but something real close to, to new. We need to. We need good transportation, and we prayed, and God is going to bless us. God's going to help us to do that. And He's already began to to give us a, a way, to bless us with a way to do that through a kind of an unexpected thing that happened, and just like God to do it, because He knows that we are content in Him. And we put His kingdom first, and He's going to care. For us. Hallelujah. But friend, our joy, our peace, our fulfillment is not based on anything this world could ever offer. For there is a peace that passes all understanding. There's a fulfillment that only God can grant. And it's only in and through coming to Christ, having our sins forgiven being sealed with the Holy Spirit and having God's promise to go with us all the way. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, I urge you, I plead with you, come to Christ. Come to Jesus and find what the world can never give you. Someone has said it well. He's no fool that gives up what he can't keep to receive that that he can never, ever lose in Jesus' name.